7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America. Good morning, America. It is 3 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India. 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan. Good evening, Japan. And in Malaysia, it's 1972. I'm Jay Sheldon, the pantless one. <laughs> Happy Saturday. Hey, full moon tonight. It looks great. Ah, uh, it's really, really, if, you, if, you're, if it's nighttime where you are, check out the full moon because it's beautiful tonight. Hopefully you get a clear night to see it. We do. We're halfway through the weekend. Also, just a note, happy birthday, Charlie Chaplin. Uncle Charlie, as we call him. Yeah, it's by marriage. It's not by blood, but I'm actually Charlie Chaplin's second cousin, believe it or not. No, serious. I know, I know, but yeah, he was born on the 16th of April, and uh, because my grandmother's sister married... Uh, Charlie, uh, Eugene O'Neill, and then their daughter, Una. And uh, Anyway, trust me, there's a chart somewhere on my Facebook page that lays it out. But uh, second cousin, by marriage, I am uh, to Charlie Chaplin. Whoops. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah. Uh, anyway, happy birthday, Uncle Charlie. Or Cousin Charlie, I should say. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, I know. We got the little girl's update, of course. Miko update. Miki, Miki, Miki update. Me, me, me. She's doing great. Uh, I had a nice walk today. We were going to go to the beach, but it got too late. And the beach is like an hour, an hour and 20 minutes away. It's a long drive from here. Uh, so it would have been dark by the time we got there. It really wasn't, uh, it didn't work. But we're thinking maybe tomorrow morning, if we can get up early enough she hasn't been to the beach in a long time and she loves the ocean so we thought we might try and give her a treat and uh yeah check out the uh, check out the ocean if we can with miko anyway besides that she's doing wonderfully well thank you for asking as i often say nobody asks how i'm doing when they pm me or email me they always say how's miko so there you go that's why Miko updates. By the way, if you would like some Miko merchandise, if you're that much of a fan of either the show or Miko, you can check out the first link in our show notes, our description down below. It'll take you to the page on twitch.tv for this mug, mouse pads, t-shirts, ball caps, hoodies, stickers, notepads, whatever. You'll find them all there on Miko merch because everything for our show features the little girl herself. All right. Uh, we also had, oh, look, I didn't put a link because I didn't want to be like, oh, look at me, look at me. But I, I, I encourage you to go over to my personal Facebook page. The list is in our way down at the bottom of our show notes is all my social media contacts. And uh, you can contact me in, in any form. The easiest way is to email me at nopants at jsheldon.com. That's our regular email. I answer all your emails. We get quite a few, so thank you for those of you who get in touch. You can also PM me. You want to send me a friend request, you can do that too. I'll take anybody on as a friend. All right. But anyway, uh, yeah, so check out. There's a story that happened today uh, to us at lunch. Uh, we went to what is known as a Chinese stall restaurant. It's basically a big restaurant that's broken up into all these different stalls. They serve all different kinds of food. This happens to be a Chinese 
food stall because it's not halal and they serve pork and all kinds of other Chinese noodles and rice dishes and all kinds of stuff. But let me, I just want to briefly tell the story because it is, it just made me, it made my heart swell. And that's part of what we do in addition to an occasional controversial thing or some weird and wacky stuff we find. We like to share the stories about the good things that people do, the random acts that people do that make a difference. A small difference, a big difference, but make a difference in a positive way. So I'm eating at the restaurant and there's this big crash off to the side and I can't see what's going on. But my partner says that a a blind person, a seeing impaired person was being helped by an old auntie and he knocked over a tray of food accidentally. Obviously he's blind. Um, and it went all over the floor. It made a big mess and everything. And everybody apologized and all. And, you know, everybody was watching because it was a big noise and people want to know what's going on. But then some stranger came up out of the crowd because this auntie and this blind guy didn't look like they were, you know, swimming in wealth. Some strange stranger came out of the crowd and offered to pay for the spoiled food that the fellow had tipped over. It was just, and and he did. He paid for the food that the vision impaired guy spilled. And he wasn't taking pictures for his social media. He, you know, he wasn't, oh, look at me, aren't I a great guy? He was just doing the right thing. And it just, it, it made my heart melt. It was amazing. As I said in my post on social media, uh, I've always known Malaysians had a big heart. And it's nice every once in a while to see and a random act of kindness like that that just reaffirms that fact. You guys keep doing you. It's, it was amazing. It was fantastic. By the way, related story. I've told you before about this app I have on my phone, and you better get it on your phone. It's called Be My Eyes. I should have put a link in the show notes. If you Just check BeMyEyes.com or do a search for Be My Eyes. It's an app, very low power consuming app on your phone, runs in the background. And what happens is when a visually impaired person needs help with something, might be directions, might be sorting out clothes, does this tie match this shirt, uh, you know, what is the ingredients on this package kind of thing, they can make a call through their app, Be My Eyes. It will call somebody like me who has volunteered to help. And then you can, by using, you basically making a video call, and you can assist them in whatever it is. I they, Your phone doesn't ring very often. I think I've had three of these calls, and I've had this app for a couple of years now. But somebody from Malaysia, they try and link you up both language-wise and area-wise. So the call I got was from someone from Malaysia. And uh, I just my phone rings, and it says, you have a call from a Be My Eyes person. So I answered, and this uh, fellow in English uh, was trying to sort out his money. And so he was holding the money up in front of the camera. And I had to say, like, move it a little to the left, move it up a bit so I could see it because, you know, he obviously can't see. And so he wanted to know what denomination is this note and what denomination is this note. So I, I told him it was a 10 ringgit note and another 10 ringgit. And that was it. He said, thank you. I said, no problem. Anytime. 
And that was the call. But it really, it, it make your heart feel good when you have a chance to help a stranger in, in a small way. So please do check out the app. It's called Be My Eyes, and it's available on the Google Play Store. Also, I assume the Apple, whatever you guys call your app store. Um, but it's worth it. It really is. Costs nothing, absolutely free. And I promise you, if you get a call, it'll do your heart good. Fantastic. Hey, we talked earlier uh, on the show about the Earth having a heartbeat some sort of frequency that resonates through the earth and it it has an effect on humans and i just i want to spend a second and show you this video it's very cool you, you might have seen something like this before but check it out this is from science collection and the link is in our show notes but if you check this out let me just uh what what he does is he's got this black plate with sand all over it and he sprinkles the sand and then he's got a violin or a cello bow, and he it's a metal sheet. So he runs that across the bow, and watch what happens. Check this out. If you're listening to the podcast, the link's in our show notes. There you go. Look at that. Look at that. That is absolutely incredible. And he bows it in a different spot, and it creates another pattern. From the vibrations, the sand arranges itself into these patterns. This is just absolutely, look at that one. Every time he bows in a different spot, of course, it creates a different note, a different vibration, and a different pattern. That is incredible. Very cool. Like I said, just want to take a couple minutes and show you that because it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. All right. Uh, what else we got going on here tonight? We got, we got a bunch of weird stuff. And by the way, I, <laughs> I don't want to see that. Uh, I promised you this um, not for the squeamish thing. Yeah, trust me on this one. Um, I've got a, hang on, I just got to do some rearranging. Okay, there we go. I have a, uh, I have a bunch of stories coming up that if you are squeamish or if you don't like bugs, you might not want to see this. Anyway, it's coming up in a little bit. Um, okay. Do you ever have a birthday party at work? Some people hate these things. Uh, some people just, you know, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to have a big deal made out of my birthday. And, you know, the company feels like it has to celebrate. So they do some small thing. But apparently this guy, when he said I didn't want anything for my birthday, really meant it. Some guy has won a lawsuit against his employer for an unwanted birthday party. How unwanted? Four hundred and fifty thousand U.S. dollars unwanted. No kidding. This is from the Miami Herald. Employee's unwanted birthday party nets him a, almost a half a million dollars after a lawsuit against. Now I don't know if that's a Kentucky company or a KY company, but that's the headline. Yeah. Uh, days before his birthday in August 2019, an employee at, oh, it's Kentucky, Kentucky-based laboratory asked his office manager, please don't make any arrangements for a celebration for his birthday. It wasn't that he was afraid of getting older, but he has an anxiety disorder that can spur panic attacks in stressful situations. According to court documents, the employee who was hired in October 2018 
by Gravity Diagnostics did not want a celebration because he doesn't like being the center of attention, can trigger his disorder. When the company threw him a lunchtime party against his wishes, it did trigger a panic attack. He left abruptly, spent his lunch break in his car, and four days later, after his office managers confronted him about his reaction at the party, he was fired. Serious. You know, I wasn't all into this story. I didn't buy into this guy's problem and his panic attacks and, no, I don't want a birthday party. But to fire the guy for it? No, now I'm on your side, pal. He eventually sued the company, and this week, after what, 2018, 19, 21, two, four years, the jury awarded him almost a half a million dollars in damages for lost wages and emotional distress. Wow. 450,000 clams for this guy for a birthday party. Guess they probably should have thought twice before they... Or, or taking the guy at his word, I don't want a damn party. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Well, hey, here's another one, people giving us stuff we don't want. There's a nice segue. Good old Marky Mark over at Facebook. Zuckerberg, that idiot. I'm telling you. You know how every few years Facebook does some unasked for, unwanted update to the look and the way Facebook functions and everybody complains about it. But eventually everybody just shuts up and goes away. Well, since Facebook now owns WhatsApp, guess what? Yeah, they're doing that same crap now on WhatsApp. Here's the, uh, here's the story. What's, this is from The Independent. Links in our show notes if you want to read it. WhatsApp launches communities, which will let people message thousands of people at once. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm thinking the same thing. If you think we got a problem now with groups and all the wacky, strange, untrue, bullcrap information that goes around these groups, imagine being able to send a message out to thousands of people at the same time. Yeah, read this article. WhatsApp's launched a new communities feature that allows you to message thousands at once. Until now, the WhatsApp groups are limited. You can only have 256 people in them. Those people can only be added using their phone numbers with the intention that everyone in a chat knows each other. Well, not for long, folks. Again, this is a paid site. If you want to keep reading, you have to be a member of it for the independent. But there's other places to check out the story because it's covered by a lot of different places. I put the link to the independent in there. But uh, yeah, like I said, we already know the kind of problem that Facebook groups causes. Can you imagine what's going to happen now when, uh, yeah, when you can community thousands of people at once and get your bullcrap fake info out there too thousands yay sorry coffee break time all right what else is going on okay here comes the weird stuff i mean that was weird enough right but this is the weird animal stuff and like i said if you are squeamish 
The first one's not so bad, but it goes downhill from there. Trust me on this. You're going to want to see this. This is from allthatsinteresting.com. It's a very cool site, and it is all that's interesting. Check out this bird. Look at that thing. Does that not look like something from a billion years ago or whatever dinosaurs roamed the earth? This is a shoebill, and it lives today. It is frightening. Look at this prehistoric thing. This is amazing. And like the headline says, the frightening shoebill can decapitate baby crocodiles, and it sounds like a machine gun. Shoebills famously intimidating. They are, are you kidding me? They're five feet tall. They're just six, seven inches shorter than I am. Five feet tall, these birds. And they have a seven-inch beak that is strong enough to tear through a six-foot fish. The shoebill stork, one of the craziest-looking birds on the planet, giant avian native to the swamps of Africa, best known for its prehistoric features, I would say so. Uh, Very weird. Uh, In particular, a strong hollow beak which looks a lot like a Dutch clog. (laughs) The living dinosaur was beloved by the ancient Egyptians, has the power to overtake a crocodile. But that's not what makes this so-called death pelican unique. Are shoebills really living dinosaurs? If you've ever seen a shoebill stork, you might have easily mistaken it for a muppet. But it's more Sam Eagle than is a skexis of dark crystal. The shoebill of what oh it's all the scientific name is balaniceps rex balaniceps rex the hell is that uh hold on okay all right there we go sorry some technical stuff going on here it evolved from a group of meat-eating dinosaurs called the theropods look at this thing check this out and it's five feet tall it is huge Look at that bill. Wow. I'm not going to go through the whole article. It's in our show notes. You can read it, but you should read it. It is frightening. This thing lives today among us. (laughs) Scary. All right, America, you ready for the worm story? I told you these things get worse as they go, and I wasn't kidding. There is a new species of worm in Texas. So to my, I know I've got quite a few podcast listeners in Texas. There is a new species, an invasive one of worms in Texas, which is basically immortal. Kid you not. This is it. It's called a hammerhead worm for obvious reasons. You can see this is the head of the worm. And obviously it looks kind of like a hammer, like a hammerhead shark. But this thing is Amazing. It's very invasive. The hammerhead worm been spotted all over the southern U.S. in recent years. In Texas, it's been found in the Austin and Dallas-Fort Worth areas, according to Only in Your State. They are a foot long. A foot long. That's like this. They have an appetite for earthworms. They eat other worms. And they also, and this is a caution to you folks in Texas and southern states in the U.S., 
they secrete a neurotoxic venom, uh, venom. Serious. And they are basically immortal. You cut one in half, you got two worms. Kid you not. If you chop one of these things in half, then you will take one worm and it becomes two. Very weird. They're very big threat to the ecosystem locally. And uh, rain will force them into leaving their homes. They live in the soil. But when you get some heavy rains, they will pop out. And they are predatory and uh, sometimes kind of tough to spot. Although at a foot long, I don't know how tough that would be. If you uh, do come across the hammerhead, you should not cut it in half. The most common way to kill a worm. Uh, The worm will grow into two separate worms if you cut it in half. Instead, they suggest dissolve it in salt and vinegar solution or place it in a plastic bag and throw it away. And when you do that, do not handle it with your hands. It, as we said, it secretes a neurotoxic venom to ward off predators similar to that of a puffer fish. Wow. Don't screw with these worms, pal. This is scary stuff. That from, uh, yeah. Zane, hello, Zane. Welcome into the stream. Good to see you. <laughs> All right. Hope your uh, Ramadan and Poissa are going well. Uh, good to have you along for the ride, Zane. Uh, all right, so that's our worm story. And it gets weird. It gets more weird. I promised you, I didn't lie. The largest known insect of all time with a wingspan of 75 centimeters, two and a half feet. Look at this thing. It was, it was, okay. To be fair, it doesn't exist anymore, but it did, and not that long ago. This is an extinct dragonfly, the order of griffinflies, as they were called then, or are now known. Largest known insect to ever have lived on the earth. This is a life-size replica of a griffinfly, predecessor to today's dragonflies, you can tell. Look at that thing. Two and a half foot wingspan. Largest living insect today is the atlas moth, which has the largest wings. It's about 25 inches or 160 centimeters square. Uh, The white witch moth, uh, 12 inch wingspan. And the goliath beetle is the heaviest insect at about 115 grams, 4.1 ounces. But uh, yeah, look at that. That is absolutely beautiful. But at one time, these things stalked the earth. Can you imagine seeing one of them suckers fly by? They'd be able to grab small cats or small dogs. Miko, hide yourself. That is incredible. Absolutely amazing. Link to the whole story is in our show notes. Please do check it out. Read the article. It's uh, It's unbelievable. Very, very cool. All right, what else we got going on here tonight? Oh, one last one. This one you are not going to believe. And there's a twist at the end, okay? Someone, again, the link is in the article to this, but it's in Malay. It's in Bahasa, Malaysia. So you can translate the page and read it if you don't read uh, Bahasa. But I will give you the basic rundown of the story. Uh, What happened was 
somebody found and photographed this rather odd egg. And then as it started to crack, it noticed this strange creature inside the egg. And they had no idea what it was. So as you can see the picture here on our, uh, on our page... Again, links in the show notes if you want to check it out, especially if you're a podcast listener. Um, so as they went along here, the egg began to crack. Some strange creature inside starts to emerge. There you go. There's a better close-up of the egg. Weird, huh? This is like Alien. Remember the movie? Look at this. Whatever this thing is inside is beginning to come out this sack it's encased in some giant red long tentacles check it out here it is even more oh man that does look like alien doesn't it boom and there it is it's called the devil's fingers it's a plant it is not an animal but that's what it looks like when it grows like a like a giant egg in this sack inside, and as it breaks, this thing comes out, which would put me in the other direction really fast. But yeah, this is the devil's finger. We have them here in Malaysia. It, it, it is absolutely frightening looking. And uh, <laughs> people did actually think it was some, some sort of strange creature hatching from an egg until it actually popped out. And then they, they read their science books and realized it was a plant. I wonder if that's some kind of mushroom, though. It doesn't say. But, yeah, it would seem it was some sort of some sort of mushroom. Of course, we also have the largest uh, flowering flower uh, plant here in Malaysia. Uh, we want to check that out. It's the one that smells like dead, rotting flesh, which is <laughs> not exactly a calling card for, you know, the tourist traps, but they are extremely rare, and you can find them here in Malaysia. So, all right. That's about all the weird stuff we've got for you tonight. Uh, by the way, just a reminder that um, if you are watching on the video live on Facebook, YouTube, twitch.tv, and rumble.com, thank you, Rumble, uh, you can go over to our podcast. You'll find a link in our show notes down below. At wherever your favorite podcast comes from, Apple, Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Stitcher, uh, Geo7 in India. Uh, we got a big Indian audience. Hello to our Indian uh, listeners on our podcast. So just go over there, type in I'm not wearing pants in the search bar or Jay Sheldon. Look for that logo, the one on the screen there, and click on it. Then look around, find the follow button, and hit follow. Costs nothing, absolutely free. And uh, all of our podcasts are free. The podcast is basically our audio from this live uh, video. So you can check it out. We're portable. Take it with us, with you. And uh, if you miss us during the week, you can listen in, maybe on your walk or jog. I've had some people tell me they listen, they listen while they're taking their dog for a walk. So <laughs> pay attention to your dog. Make sure he's safe. All right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it is time, isn't it? We got to go to our book. If you didn't already know, we read classic books on this show. We do a bunch of weird stuff on this show. But, um, yeah, we've been uh, doing all kinds of great books from uh, Winnie, the, uh, Winnie the Pooh. That's what we're doing now. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland. We've done them all. And uh, right now, 
we're doing Winnie the Pooh from A.A. A. Milne. And uh, it just wound up in the public domain. So we are very pleased because it is my all-time number one favorite book, uh, Winnie the Pooh. So we have been uh, reading through the chapters, and we made our way up to chapter four in Winnie the Pooh. And uh, we're going to continue on. This is the last part of our, uh, our show. We'll keep going with this book, and then if you'd like, because there's not a lot of chapters in this book. We're only going to take a few more streams before we're finished. Um, if you'd like, send us an email. Send me a, a PM if you want. Uh, email is nopants at jsheldon.com. In fact, the whole way we found out that Winnie the Pooh was available is because Gail sent us an email and said, hey, go to gutenberg.org, check it out. Winnie the Pooh is there. And I did that. And sure enough, thank you, Gail, so much. We got Winnie the Pooh. So there you go. Please do if you have a suggestion for what book to read. Gutenberg.org is the site where we get all these books from. They're all in the public domain. So from A.A. A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh, it's chapter four, in which Eeyore loses a tail and Pooh finds one. The old gray donkey, Eeyore, stood by himself in a thistly corner of the forest. His front feet fell well apart, his head on one side, and thought about things. Sometimes he thought sadly to himself, why? And sometimes he thought, wherefore? And sometimes he thought, inasmuch as which? And sometimes he didn't quite know what he was thinking about. So when Winnie the Pooh came stumping along, Eeyore was very glad to be able to stop thinking for a while in order to say, how do you do, in a very gloomy manner to him. And how are you, said Winnie the Pooh. Eeyore shook his head from side to side. Not very how, he said. I don't seem to have felt at all how for a long time. Dear, dear, said Pooh, I'm sorry about that. I, let's have a look at you. So Eeyore stood there, gazing sadly at the ground and Winnie the Pooh walked all around him once. Why, what's happened to your tail? He said in surprise. What has happened to it? Said Eeyore. It isn't there. Are you sure? Well, either a tail is there or isn't there. You can't make a mistake about it. And yours isn't there. Then what is? Nothing. Let's have a look, said Eeyore. And he turned slowly round to the place where his tail had been a little while ago. And then, finding he couldn't catch it up, he turned round the other way, until he came back to where he was at first. And then he put his head down and looked between his front legs. And at last, he said, with a long and sad sigh, I believe you're right. Of course I'm right, said Pooh. Well, that accounts for a good deal, said Eeyore gloomily. It explains everything. No wonder. You must have left it somewhere, says Winnie the Pooh. 
Somebody must have taken it, said Eeyore. How like them, he added, after a long silence. Pooh felt that he ought to say something helpful about it, but didn't quite know what. So he decided to do something helpful instead. Eeyore, he said solemnly, I, Winnie the Pooh, will find your tail for you. Thank you, Pooh, answered Eeyore. You are a real friend, said he. Not like some, he said. And so Winnie the Pooh went off to find Eeyore's tail. It was a fine spring morning in the forest as he started out. Little soft clouds played happily in the blue sky, skipping from time to time in front of the sun as if they had something to put out, and then sliding away suddenly so the next might have his turn. Through them and between them the sun shone bravely, and a corpse which had worn its furs all the year round seemed old and dowdy now beside the new green lace which the beeches had put on so prettily. Through corpse and spiny march bare, down open slopes of gorth and heather, and over rocky beds of streams, up steep banks of sandstone, into the heather again, and so at last, tired and hungry, to the hundred-acre wood, for it was in the hundred-acre wood that Owl lived. If anyone knows anything about anything, said Bear to himself, it's Owl. Who knows something about something, he said. Or oh, my name's not Winnie the Pooh, he said. Which it is, he added. So there you are. Owl lived at the Chestnuts, an old-world residence of great charm, which was grander than anybody else's, or so seemed to bear, because it had both a knocker and a bell-pull. Underneath the knocker, there was a notice which said, Please ring if answer is required. Underneath the bell pole, there was a notice which said, Please knock if an answer is not requid. These notices had been written by Christopher Robin, who was the only one in the forest who could spell. For Owl, wise though he was in many ways, able to read and write and spell his own name, W-O-L, yet somehow went all to pieces over delicate words like measles and buttered toast. Winnie the Pooh read the two notices very carefully, first from left to right, and afterwards, in case he'd missed some of it, from left to right to left, and then, to make quite sure, he knocked and pulled the knocker, and he pulled and knocked the bell rope. And then he called out in a very loud voice, Owl, I require an answer. It's Bear speaking. And the door opened, and Owl looked out. Hello, Pooh, he said. How's things? Terrible and sad, said Pooh, because Eeyore, who's a friend of mine, has lost his tail, and he's moping about it. So could you very kindly tell me how to find it for him? Well, said Owl, the customary procedure in such cases is as follows. What does crustimony proceed cake mean? said Pooh, for I am a bear of very little brain, and 
Long words bother me. It means the thing to do. Oh, as long as it means that, I don't mind, said Pooh humbly. The thing to do is as follows. First, issue a reward. Then, uh, just a moment, said Pooh, holding up his paw. What do we do to this, what you're saying? You sneezed just as you were going to tell me. I didn't sneeze. Oh, yes, you did, Owl. Excuse me, Pooh, I didn't. I can't sneeze without knowing it. Well, you can't know it without something having been sneezed. What I said was, first issue a reward. You're doing it again, said Pooh sadly. A reward, Owl said very loudly. We'll write a notice to say that we'll give a large something to anybody who finds Eeyore's tail. I see, I see, said Pooh, nodding his head. Talking about large things, he went on dreamily, I generally have a small something about now, about this time in the morning. And he looked wistfully at the cupboard in the corner of Owl's parlor. Uh, just a mouthful of condensed milk or what not, perhaps with a lick of honey. Well, then, said Owl, we'll write out this notice, and then we'll put it up all over the forest. A lick of honey, murmured Bear to himself, or, or not, as the case may be. And he gave a deep sigh and tried very hard to listen to what Owl was saying. But Owl went on and on, using longer and longer words, until at last he came back to where he started. And he explained that the person to write this notice was Christopher Robin. It was he who wrote the ones on my front door for me. Did you see them, Pooh? For some time now, Pooh had been saying, Yes, and no, in turn, with his eyes shut, to all that Owl was saying. And having said, Yes, yes. Last time he said, no, not at all. Now, without really knowing what Owl was talking about. Didn't you see them? said Owl, a little surprised. Come and look at them now. So they went outside. Pooh looked at the knocker and the notice below it. He looked at the bell rope and the notice below it. And the more he looked at the bell rope, the more he felt he'd seen something like it somewhere else sometime before. Handsome bell rope, isn't it? said Owl. Pooh nodded. It reminds me of something, he said, but I can't think of what. Where'd you get it? I just came across it in the forest. It was hanging over a bush. I thought at first somebody lived there, so I rang it. Nothing happened. Then I rang it again very loudly. It came off in my hand, and as nobody seemed to want it, I took it home, and... Owl, said Pooh solemnly, you've made a mistake. Somebody did want it. Who? Eeyore. My dear friend Eeyore. He was... He was fond of it. Fond of it? Attached to it, said Winnie the Pooh sadly. So with these words... He unhooked it, carried it back to Eeyore, and when Christopher Robin had nailed it on in its right place again, Eeyore frisked about the forest, 
waving his tail so happily that Winnie the Pooh came over all funny and had to hurry home for a little snack of something to sustain him. And wiping his mouth, half an hour afterwards, he sang to himself proudly, Who found the tail? I, said Pooh, at a quarter or two. It was quarter to eleven, really. I found the tail. And that's chapter four of A.A. A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh. Coming up in our next stream on Monday night, we'll get to chapter five, in which Piglet meets a humpalump. Ah, uh, man, that's fun. We love this book. Cool. I will uh, I will see you again on uh, Monday night. Thanks for joining. Thanks for popping along for the ride. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Make it count. I'll see you on Monday. Until then, I am the pantless one, Jay Sheldon. Good night. <laughs>